This morning we're going to continue on our series which is called Discover. And you know we're on a hundred day challenge of running towards God and running the race and towards the goal and discovering who God is together. And this morning is Discover Part 6 and we're going to be talking about the presence of God this morning. So let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. Lord, I pray this morning that we'll understand something about you. God, that your people will understand, Lord, that we can't live this Christian life outside on the outskirts of your presence, Lord. But God, we need to be bathing in your presence every day. Lord, I ask that you take this word. This is your word. God, you gave me this, and I ask, Lord, that you... I know that it's going to do what it was supposed to do, because, God, that's what your word says. Your word never comes void to you, never comes back. So, Father, I pray this morning I'll get out of the road, Lord, that you would just use my voice, and, God, that you would open up the hearts of your people. God, to understand your greatness and your goodness and your mercy, Lord. And, God, that all that we have in you to walk this daily life, and God, to walk victorious with our heads up to the glory and honor of your name. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this church. We thank you, God, that we can gather here so freely. And, God, just hear your word. So, Lord, cover us this morning. We thank you for this, your presence, God, this morning in, in worship. And we ask now that you would open up the hearts and the minds of the people. And, God, that um, those that want to shut down, those that may want to not fight, Lord, that you give them the strength and the ability and the courage to fight. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, small verse in Revelations 1, verse 8. And it says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. I'm the Almighty. Now, folks, living in the presence of God means this, that He is for us, He's in us, and he's with us. And if you know that when you're going into battle or whatever you're doing through life, if you know those three things, everything changes. Everything changes. You see, God has great plans for you and I. And it's the reason why we need to hold on to our identity in Christ and to let it guide us every single day because ultimately you are who God says you are. Nothing less. You are who God says you are. And there's too many Christians now, they're walking around with their identities and, a, and a, a completely different identity. They're listening to what the world has to say. They're listening to what the devil is speaking through to their minds and in lies and deception. And they're walking around like that. And they're in despair. And the testimony of God is not there. The presence of God, it's always been key to a fulfilled, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's, it's the encouraging factor of God with us. God with us that really gives us the courage and the determination and the strength to walk out on the battlefield like David did to bring glory and honor to his name. Remember David in 1 Samuel 17. He said with confidence. He didn't go out like a little mouse. He said with confidence. He says, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And today the Lord's going to deliver you into my hands and I'm going to strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. Now, folks, if that's not confidence, I don't know what is. Because if you look at the both of them, 
If we were, if, if we, if we were betting people, you're probably like, oh, I'll, t- I'll take that guy. <laughs> you know? But he, David had the presence of God that surrounded his life. David knew his identity. And it's always the case with the people in close relation with the Savior. The presence of God is with them. And the manifestation of God's presence in the the life of a believer is always the mark of distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. And it's also distinction between the believer and the person who wants to play church. David's life was pretty distinct that day, wasn't it? While the whole army of Israel stood fearful for days and they were immobilized by one guy. Armies. One guy come out and spoke something to them and they were fearful. But here comes David and he steps into the presence of God, into into their surroundings with the presence of God around his life. And I was funny when I was writing this, I said, God, I bet you the cheese and crackers that you sent or whatever you sent, he was probably eating those things saying, who's this guy? I could just see him with the presence of God because he's standing there and says, who is this guy that's defying the armies of God? And he says, I'll fight him. And the presence of God in my life and in your life determines the factor of where I'm going to go and where I'm going to run to when the Goliaths come out every single day to harass you into submission by trying to tell you lies and trying to tell you half-truths. And if you want to be free, you'll be smart and you'll run into the presence of God. Because you see, how you see God is going to determine your actions And your actions correlated with your fate are going to determine whether you stay bound or whether you break free. Because a constant experience of abiding in God's presence, it makes a person more like Jesus. You can't be in God's presence and and, and be spending time with God and be the same person coming out. You won't be. It's impossible. And that's the confidence that enables you to take your stand with confidence and the authority against the adversary. But on the contrary, if you think of it, if we don't run to him, we become bitter. We become angry. And you know what happens at the end when we decide, I'm not going into the presence of God. I'm not going to call on God. I'm going to do my own thing. You become mockers of God. And you begin to mock everything that God is saying. And you begin to mock everybody that's around you that has a word of truth. John 15, 5 says this, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And scripture is clear that all of life and principally the gospel life is about being in God's relational presence. And this is why David proclaims in Psalm 16 once, he says, in your presence, Lord, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Despite what I'm going through, in your presence, Lord, you can change my perspective. God always changes my perspective when I go into his presence. It doesn't matter what battle I'm going through. He always seems to turn it around and helps me to understand how great and who he is and what he can do. God can give us the confidence in his presence that we need for this hour. See, the presence of God was never meant to be something as a prize for those who reach a certain Christian prestige. It was never meant for a child of God that maybe they could look down the road and say, oh, well, maybe one day I could look forward to it if I maybe if I collect enough spiritual points or something. No, the provision of God's presence was made available to you and I because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. 
The presence of God came to you. It came to me when I submitted my life to Jesus. The Bible says when I confessed my sin and I professed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Paul says in Romans 10, that day you were saved. And his presence is it's readily available. That's the thing. It's readily available to us all if we want it. And he loves to be close to you. He loves to be close to me. But oftentimes what happens is we pull away in frustration. We pull away in fear. We pull away in anger to all the things that are happening around our lives. And we only experience what we bow down to. It's sad. Paul says the day that we were saved, the presence of God, it filled your life. It filled your thoughts. It changed your way of life. It picked you up and it turned you around. The old has gone, he said, and the new has come. He dusted you off. I was thinking about that when I wrote it. I said, God, you dusted me off. I'm pretty sure he beat me like a rug for days because I was pretty dusty. <laughs> I guess he's just God. Ain't a few more, few more slaps, they're done. <laughs> he gave you a solid place to stand. Something supernatural took place in your heart. And you understood, I'm not alone in this life. And I now rest under the wing of the Almighty God who holds me in the palm of His hand. And the Bible says, there's nobody who can take me out of that palm of His hand. Joy came. Peace came. The fears of tomorrow seemed to subside. And you started to experience what James says in James 4, 6-8. He says, and He gives grace generously. As the Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You see, when we humble ourselves, God's presence comes. But when we stay a little bit stiff-necked, we only get to experience what we can muster up. In verse 7, God says this, So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And God will come close to you. And all of a sudden, we're made aware that God is with us. And there's this covering in God's presence. There's healing, there's peace, there's deliverance, there's spiritual growth. And there's God's favor in his presence. You see, when we desire to be in God's presence and we prioritize to draw close to him, we don't try to just add him on, we prioritize. We push everything out and we go into the presence of God. In order to receive the blessings, we'll receive those blessings. But we have to stay there. Because God's not going to compete, folks, with your desires. God won't compete if I want something else. If we allow the distractions to affect our gaze upon Him, and if we allow the distractions or our commitment to Him to take precedent, then basically what happens is He withdraws. Look at, look at the armies of, of Israel when they went to Ai. Was God with them? They had their own desires. They had their own uh, ways that they wanted to fight. They were their own, you know, their own perspective. And they came out of that place beaten and torn. And it happens a lot when we want God to be okay with our dismissal of sin. When we want God to be okay with the way that we're acting. But the way that we're acting is not bringing any glory to God. God kind of says, well, okay, you go ahead and do that and I'm still here. But we only experience what we bow down to. You see, the presence of God was meant for those with a humble heart who simply love Him. 
who wanted to follow him in, in simple obedience. And even though you don't get everything right, we don't all get everything right. It's for sure. I don't get everything right at all. But I want him in my life. And I know that it's the most important thing in my life. And I know whatever needs to be pushed out needs to be pushed out so that I can get into the presence of God because he has the direction. He, he knows all things. He's the one that I need in order to be able to do this life and to do it right and to come out victorious at the end. There's no prerequisites except a humble and obedient heart to do the will of God. You see, the presence of God coming into your life is as simple as opening the door when Jesus is knocking. But the problem is sometimes we know it's Jesus knocking and we shut the blinds. We know Jesus is at the door knocking, but we're like, I'm not in the mood to hear Jesus today. I'm not in the mood to hear truth today. I want to elevate my pain or I want to elevate, you know, elevate my sorrows and different things. But there's, and there's no, when you read that verse, there's no real excuse because Jesus says, if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, so he's not just knocking and you can't say, I don't know who it is. He's saying, Paul, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's, we know when Jesus is knocking. But a lot of times, like I said, we, we want to shut off the lights and close down the blinds and pretend nobody's home. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come in and I'll sup with him and he with me. You see, when the presence of God comes, every battle takes a new twist. I love reading through the Old Testament because every battle, when they invited God into their life, into their situation, it all took a new twist. Everything. Ridiculous stuff. You got to go and read all the stories. It's just amazing what God does when you... Oh, you want me in your life? You want me in your battle? You want me in your situation? I remember there's so many times in my life when I invited God and, and it was situations that there's nothing that can possibly be done. But all of a sudden, solutions came. All of a sudden, things worked out. All of, all of a sudden, provision came. Because God does what he wants when he wants and how he wants. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. In the presence of God, everything changes. Everything. But yet outside of God's presence, it's draining and it's tiring. And it's the reason why we have so many weary souls. But yet when we look at David, his picture is so much different. When we read the Psalms, his picture is so much different. In Psalm 16, 11, he says, you make known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. You see, David experienced the joy. He experienced knowing what God can do when he was in his presence and inviting him into his life. And here's a man who wrote Psalm 27. He wrote Psalm 27 when King Saul was trying to chase him down and kill him. And all David did was play the harp. That's all he did. He played the harp for King Saul. He made beautiful music and the Spirit of God, the Bible says, the presence of God used to come in and fill the place. And he used to calm the demonic spirits that controlled Paul. He used to calm them down. And we know the story. Saul was rejected by God because of his disobedience and David was appointed to succeed him as king and it made him angry. Actually, his anger went through the roof. And he pursued David like a wild animal. And he tried to kill him. 
And it became so dangerous that David had to hide in deserts and he had to hide in caves and he had to continually move from place to place. But David was confident. He starts that psalm with verse 1. Listen, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, when you enter into the presence of God, despite your circumstances, when the presence of God surrounds your life, because you've decided to humble yourself, you decided to be obedient and walk in His ways, there's protection and there's guidance. And all of your fears, I've noticed that when I go in, it doesn't matter what I bring, every fear, every anxiety, every torment has to submit to the authority of Christ. It has to. It has no choice. God is God of everything. And that's where you find your freedom. Psalms 27.5 says, David says this, In the time of trouble, God will lift us up. He'll put us high on a rock and he'll shelter us from the storms of life and the accusations of the enemies that are around us. It's like David saying he'll give you the advantage point because the high rock that he's speaking of is the advantage point when we're fighting an enemy. David found that one of the keys was simply like we did this morning. One of the keys to bring it, ushering in the presence of God is praise. Because praise is an open door into the presence of God. We can praise anywhere. I praise anywhere. Some people, if, if you saw me driving, you'd be like, well, that's dangerous. <laughs> because sometimes I'm driving and I got my music just blaring. And I'll be driving like this. And I'm just praising God. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it's hard. When you, when you put on the praise music and they're talking about the presence of God and the spirit of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God, how can we not worship? Sometimes I pull off to the side. The other day I was down by the Civic Center and I pulled off to the side and I just worship God. <coughs> and like David, we need God's sustaining presence in our lives. We need it. It's not an if, and, or a but. We need it. Because when His presence is a reality in our lives, any doubt of who we serve is removed. Every lie is exposed. And you know, it's funny because David had this small glimpse of the power and the presence of God. And he tasted it. And it caused him to seek it with everything that he had. He had a small taste. And David knew that if he offered praises to God that God himself would lift him up above the fears, he would lift him up above the hurts, he would lift him up above his enemies. And it's the attitude that we have to have here and now in this day of age. When times, folks, times are getting dark. And when we're in the midst of trials and tests, even when we're just living our daily lives, we have to seek his presence because he's worthy. He's worthy of our seeking. His beauty and His wisdom is something worthy to seek after. <clears throat> and He promises to meet us there. That's the best thing. He, the God of all creation, He promised to meet us there when we go there. I think all God asks is for us to take all of our emotions, all of what we are, all that we're going through, and take it to him. He's calling us to trust his irrevocable love. Because that's what he has for us. 
so that we can receive that love that he has for us and that he can grow us into what he called us to be. It's time that the people of God inquire of him again. It's time that we need the presence of God in our lives again. We need to understand once again who this God is that we serve and bring these weary minds and these weary souls back to the reality of how great is our God. It's probably the biggest aspect that we forget. Revelations 1.8 says this, He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Scripture starts with God in Genesis. It says, in the beginning God created. A God so powerful with the simple words spoken, everything that exists came into being. Everything. And it ends in Revelations, the grace of Jesus Christ be with you all. Through all of our frailties, through all of our troubles, and everything how we've been, even towards God, <clears throat> still pouring out his favor on us with the promise of his soon return. Folks, he's the perfect architectural mastermind behind everything that's created. Everything that ever existed and that will ever exist, he's sovereign and he holds dominion over every aspect of life, including death. You know what that means? He holds the power to do whatever he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and whomever he wants. And he doesn't need permission. He holds everything in his hands. If you look at the 40th chapter of Isaiah, you know, we think about God, we think about his presence, we think about his greatness and his goodness, and he's, he's like the A to Z of everything. He's the God of all creation, everything, everything wonderful, everything that we see that's massive in the universe. And yet when we look in the book of John, we find him washing feet. We find him washing the feet of the disciples. He's so relational. Even the grandness of God can come down and knows you and knows me and wants to partake with us. <clears throat> the chapter 40 says this, To whom can you compare God? Verse 21 says, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave you before the world began, are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. Verse 25 says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. He says, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He says, I bring them out like an army, one after another, calling them each by name. And because of my great power and incomparable strength, not a single one of them is missing. And in verse 27, he says, O Jacob, you can change that to O living hope. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, O people of God, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you not heard? Have you not understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And it says even youth are going to become weak and tired. And they'll fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on the wings like eagles. And they'll run and not grow weary. And they'll walk and not faint. 
You see, we sing this little song sometimes. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. He's the A to Z of everything. Everything that we need. He's the God who opened blinded eyes. He caused the lame to walk, the deaf to talk. He's the God that tells death, you release your hold because this person is coming back to life, whether that's physical or whether that's spiritual. Nothing can stop his hand. He's the God who told the storm, calm down. He's the God who said to the sea, get out of the way. Because I'm taking my people somewhere. And nothing stands in my way. And that's the God that I serve. Is that the God that you serve? That's the question you have to ask yourself. I know that's the God that I serve. I'm not going to answer for you. You have to know, is this the same God that I serve? Because folks, listen to this. The measure to which we enjoy the presence of God in our lives is directly related to how we see God and his greatness. If you don't see him as sovereign, if you don't see him as limitless, if you don't see him in the context of Luke 1.37, for with God nothing is going to be impossible. Meaning that God is the supreme power over everything in all situations. God can change any circumstance at any time despite what it looks like to me and you. I'm telling you, there's been so many times I've gone into the presence of God and said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do that. And he does it. And I, I'm always amazed. And I said, hmm, I never saw that coming. I, I really didn't. Because we like to, on our own level of understanding, try to create a way that God's going to do things. But you see, our minds by default, they, they always try to bring... God's greatness down to our level of understanding, doesn't it? And even though we have scripture that says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. So folks, think about the biggest thing in your mind of how God can fix your situation. Think about the grandest things. And God says, it's far beyond that. For just as the heavens are higher than the air, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And God taught me a long time ago. You see, I learned this. That when I, be, when I used to become self-dependent. And move away from being dependent on Jesus. I used to bring God's supply, his unlimited supply, to my limited understanding. That's what I used to do all the time. Do I still fall from time to time? Sure. But I'm very quick to get up now to go back and say, God, no, no, no. I want to stay right here in your presence and I want you to work this out. Because when we decide we're not going to God with a situation, that we're going to handle it without God's wisdom, without his opinion, without his perspective, instead of being dependent, our focus shifts. And our view of God shifts. And we've just brought God down to our level. And a faulty view of God and his greatness, you know what it'll do? It'll cause us to come here in this place on a Sunday. It'll cause us to walk through that door. And it'll cause us to worship if we want. It'll cause us 
to lift our hands if we want. It'll kind of be like, well, I'm battling right now. I'm going through some stuff right now, and God's going to get from me what he gets. We don't say it, but that's what you're saying. Literally, that's what we're saying. And folks, I'll tell you, it'll keep you bound in your chains. And it'll dictate to you how you're going to live this Christian life. That's what it'll do. You'll be like a caged Christian. Devil don't mind caged Christians. And it'll be like, it, it's, it's, there's no big deal of what price was paid on that cross for you. And we'll forfeit the presence of God, the love of God, the wonder-working power of God, the awesomeness of God, the miracle-working power of God, and the comfort of God for what? For pride? We'll give up the victory of the cross for pride? And that's why God hates pride. Because we lose sight of the great and mighty king that he is, and we bring him down to our level, onto our own intellect. And that's why we have to be intentional. We have to be acutely intentional and aware of who God is and his greatness, and the fact that God is so much more than we can fathom. So much more than what we can fathom. And David knew this. David knew him as his provider, as, as his deliverer, the guide of his life. The one that could give him rest and give his soul rest and could calm his fears. The one who led him into battle and led him out victorious. The one that could restore his soul and walk with him through dark valleys. The one that could cause him to fear no evil. The one that could prepare a table for him in the presence of his enemies, the Bible says. Because he chose to draw near to God. And when he did, God came with his presence. And you know, in verse 20. Verse 6 of, uh, of Psalm 23, David ends and he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He understood the greatness of God. He understood it, and he enjoyed it to the fullest. And see, folks, we know that God is creator, and we know that he's the grand architect of this universe. I know it. You can answer it for yourself. Go to your word. It's all there. Everything that surrounds it, all that was, all that is, and all that is to come, he is all of this, and yet he's still our Lord, he's still our Savior, he's still our Father, he's still our friend, he's still our comforter. Like I said a while ago, he's the A to Z, he's everything that you're ever going to need. There's nothing else that you need. And today is about that. It's about asking yourself a question. Have I forgotten about the greatness of my God? Today is about asking the Holy Spirit, in which areas, Holy Spirit, have I put a lid on God's greatness? And you know, sometimes it's as simple as just beginning to thank Him for His greatness and for His love for you. Sometimes it's just that simple. Simply asking the Holy Spirit to help you to remove any limits that you might have placed on Him. Because maybe you placed limits on what God can do in your marriage. Maybe you've placed marriage of what He can do, limits on what He can do in your family. 
what he can do with your children. Maybe you place limits on what he can do with your life. Maybe you forgot that all things are possible with God. And maybe you simply need to lift your eyes up, shift your perspective. Because you see, like I said a while ago, what keeps us from experiencing God's power and his presence is a faulty view of God. But you know what? Today, if you choose to shift your perspective to his greatness, you'll experience more of his presence. And your heart will sing again. Your heart will rejoice again. I think it's probably one of the saddest things to see a brother and sister lose their song. When we go inward instead of going upward, it's sad because God created himself. I mean, God is there and he exists and he created us to enjoy his presence, not, not just to enjoy it, but to be a testimony of how great he is and who he is. So we have to understand that we can do nothing of lasting value without his presence in our lives. Nothing. But it'll take you seeking him. It'll take me continuing to seek him. It'll take you letting him in. And it'll take you hearing what he has to say. Which is not easy. It's not always easy. But when we want to move forward and we want the presence of God and we want things changing in our lives, you have to listen to what he's going to tell you. And he's going to bring the presence. The presence of God will come. And you'll find your freedom. That The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So even though our lives are filled with distractions, we need to push them aside and run. Like all this series is talking about running towards something. So we need to run towards what really matters. We need to focus on Christ. Focus on hearing his voice, seeking his kingdom, and believing that we will experience more of his presence and power by understanding how great our God is. And as I'm listening this morning, after experiencing God in worship, I realize that we are halfway in our challenge and some of you are stuck. And I think what he had mentioned about our faulty view of God. You know, and it's true, sometimes we come, and a lot of you don't even have your hands up. And this is not a guilt trip. It's, the fact is, is that God is God. And if we don't have a right view of him, we won't see our need to exalt him, to magnify him. And if we don't even do it together when we're encouraged to do it corporately, how, how much less are we are not going to do it in our daily days? You know, our days will come and go, and the presence of God, the greatness, the goodness, the power, the mightiness of God will not even be a blink of an eye for us. We will just do it in our own strength. Could it be that we believe that God set in motion an area that we can be saved in Jesus' name, and yet we think that he let us alone to do the rest until we get back to heaven? You know, we have a faulty view of God, and when we do, we do stay stuck. And if that is the key, then let me give you a scripture that has been one that I held on to for years, and I still do. Psalm 91, that says, 
Those who live in the shelter, in the shelter of the Most High, will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Some of you are looking for rest. Some of you are so struggling with these mind battles. You know, can God do it? Can he provide? Is he good? This, he says in verse 2, I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly diseases. He will cover me and his, uh, with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithfulness promises are your armor and your protection. When was the last time you hold on the armor of God's protection, of his promises over your life? Beloved, this is how we need to start walking. This is why we need to discover his presence. If you cannot worship God corporately, then, beloved, it's going to be really hard for you to worship him daily. Then he says, do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disasters that strike at midday. I hear of so many disasters, Turkey with the earthquake. Beloved, you have people who are suffering, and we have everything. Though a thousand may fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how wicked, how the wicked are punished. Then he goes on, he says, but if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Beloved, no circumstances should ever define you. What should be defining you is how great your God is. So if you have issues, and as we all do with faulty view of God, today just stand up by faith and say, God, I don't even know how to worship you. I, I, I don't understand your greatness. My view of you is so faulty and distorted. Even hearing a message like this, I'm not even moved. Does it stir something in your heart to hear how great and powerful he is? He is your God. So I want all those that are struggling with, you know, just workplaces that are unbearable. Who's struggling? What about those that in the house there's chaos in your marriage and in your home? God says, you come on up. You bring me in. Say, God, this is where I'm starting. I need you. And as we sing, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. As we sing, I want you to hold up. I want you to say, God, I know you will rescue me. I know you love me. I know you will protect me. I know that you will be with me in all troubles, and you will rescue me. And you will reward me with your presence because that's just who he is. Amen? Do you want his presence in what you're struggling with? Then you start bringing him in today.